Hi everyone, it's Karina, the founder of Mission Magazine. If you don't know already, Mission's the first philanthropic interactive media brand, and our tagline is for fashion, for beauty, for good. So our next Mission podcast, which is hosted by myself and Charlene Spiteri, who has a belting voice, she's the singer-songwriter of the band Texas. We speak to someone that was actually, she knew about Mission really at inception, and she's been a supporter ever since. She's a devoted vegetarian, an amazing cook. She co-founded Meat Free Mondays with her dad. She's a great photographer like her mum. Has launched some few but incredible books, one being a personal favourite of mine called Monochrome Colour. Please don't go anywhere. I'd love you to listen in on our next podcast guest, the lovely, kind, funny Mary McCartney. Thank you so much, everyone. I love how we're interviewing, we're supposed to be interviewing you, Mary, talking about you and your life and your photography and your cookbooks and your TV shows and your film editing. Everything. And we're talking about darts. Are we really talking about darts? I know. But that's, that, <laughs> I'm really, I first of all, I'm really well known also, apart from all the things that you kindly have, uh, have listed, I'm really good at distracting people and changing the subject. <laughs> <laughs> well I personally I actually personally do know that she is very very good at that it's like let's not put the focus on Mary let's just move it to somebody else and she does it very very well and she does it seamlessly it's the seamlessness of how she does it that's quite extraordinary I think it's really just because I sort of just get distracted and change the subject all the time oh let's think about darts or should we talk about cows now yeah, but the conversations, that, that's what I... This interview is going to go all over the place. But that was the thing is, like, literally when I was looking at everything, I thought, do you know, actually, everything that Mary does is exactly Mary's personality. Like, you know, the new TV show, the new cooking show that's on at the moment is actually, like, standing around your kitchen. And literally, I was like, that is just her. You know, it's called Feeding Creativity. And that is actually like generally just being in your kitchen on a day-to-day basis of the conversation and the cooking and then it goes off in tangents and then it comes back to something. It's kind of like a Billy Conley sketch most of the time. <laughs> well, and also the thing is I've got two food projects. One is Feeding Creativity mm-hmm. that you you just mentioned is a... An idea, because when I did the cookbook, I got really frustrated doing food photography. And it's too sort of finickety for me. I'm like, should the fork be in the, in the bowl? Should the fork be by the side of the bowl? I like to take pictures of people and be around people. So I kind of came up with this idea of feeding creativity, which is where I would cook a meal or I'd cook something for someone. And then I would take it to their creative space and take it to them and photograph them eating it and photograph the food in situ with them so that became like in artist studio so like I phoned Peter Blake and said can I bring you lunch and he said yes so and I knew he had a little hob with two electric sort of rings mm-hmm. on it so I brought him a curry and he heated it up so that's feeding creativity which is more of like going to be an art cookbook with the recipes but mm-hmm. the TV show is on the food network and that is called Mary McCartney serves it up and that's in the kitchen 
and the format for that is called chop and chat so it is yeah me cooking showing the recipe and then I get a guest in at the end and sort of feed it to them obviously I'm going to rope you into that at some point Charlene as my guest well of course you know as long as you make your unbelievable and I don't like desserts as you know Mary but Mary has her mum's recipe that is gluten-free chocolate brownies that she makes that are off the chart they're so good <laughs> oh you're a good cook though as well Charlene you I remember you got me into vegetarian chili well Mary's, Mary's taught me everything she's always like put this in it put this season in it she's a genius cook you go around to her she's married to she's married to a top chef but when you go around to Charlene and Bryn's for dinner Charlene usually does the cooking and it's not like just if you come to my house I'll like make one thing and a few side dishes where she'll make here's a lasagna then I made a shepherd's pie and then I thought I would do this and it literally it's like a meal for about 15 people even if there's about four of us it's just the most comforting and it's it's all just laid out so you kind of just come in and serve yourself and sit down it's just the best I haven't experienced that yet Well, I will have to get you around. I'm going to. I thought I, I fed you sitting up at the the island in the kitchen. That, just just for the listeners, that's not like I have a private island. That's just I've got an island in my kitchen. <laughs> we sit there. We sit in the island. Yeah, and Natter. There, that's our kind of hotspot. <laughs> my eleven year old son plays football in the park near where Charlene lives in London. And one day, I like had to run around and do something else. And I was like, Charlene. I went over to your house. I was walking the dog and I was like, I need to take Sam a quick snack. And Charlene made him the best doorstop sort of cheese sandwich and wrapped it all up beautifully. And I took it to him and he just devoured each bite. He was like, this is the best, just simple sandwich. It was genius. Simple pleasures. Yeah, simple pleasures. And that's, you know, the thing is, Mary, there's so, it's, you know, like when I was saying there, like everything, like whether it's you doing your TV show with the cooking and chatting with people and you're like that. I mean, I've been photographed by you many times and I've seen you photograph other people as well. And then I've seen you just capture moments and, you know, you do capture moments all the time. But there's such a comfort with you and your personality and Again, that thing of that you just make somebody forget that they're being photographed or you're talking to them about something else and before you know it, you're like, yeah, I've got it, that's me, I've shot it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, were we talking about darts there? And you've captured all these moments of amazing expressions and putting people at ease. You you really, really have such a nurturing knack of doing that in everything that you do. Was that something that, you know... Well, no, but it's true. It's really true. Are you aware of that or is... Well, yeah, I think the thing is that um, I'm definitely... I think the thing with what I do, whether it's cooking or photography, I really am collaborative. Like, I really am a people person. So I really think about the person that I'm cooking for and what would they like. Because obviously I'm, I'm a lifelong vegetarian, so I'm cooking for someone if a lot of the time they're not veggie. I want to kind of entice them in. So I don't want to preach and say, you have to be vegetarian because the mm. planet's going to explode mm. otherwise, or how could you murder animals, blah, blah, blah. I'm more, because I don't think that makes yeah. you hungry. So I sort of go, what can I make that they won't miss it and they'll want to eat more of this kind of food? So 
usually I'm kind of nurturing. I want to make your taste buds sort of, you know, salivate. And then with photography, I'm like, it's really hard to be on the other side of the camera. So if I'm chatting with someone and then I pick up the camera, I can sort of see their body language go from being really relaxed and we're chatting to like really like their fingers clench up and they'll almost sort of recoil back away from me. So then my job is to relax, sort of be like, this is a collaboration. I'm doing this for you as well. I'm not going to just boss you around. It's like, how can I make you more comfortable? And it's sort of after a little bit of time, usually someone can relax and allow me to sort of take pictures of them without them. You know, and, and that way I can get something maybe they haven't had photographed of themselves before or I could get the real situation rather than it looking like a really posed moment, which for me the really beautiful photography moments are when, whether it's my photography or somebody else's, the ones that really draw me in. And I think really draw, draw most viewers in are ones that I feel like caught real moments where it sparks your imagination and you wonder what the story was behind the image. Because often a frozen moment isn't like a frozen moment. Like you, when you look at it, you kind of, it almost starts moving for me. Like you can imagine it like a little film. What, what's the narrative behind it, which I think is really exciting. Do you do that when, if you're photographing subjects and you're going, going to meet them, do you have like a little storyboard before you go and meet them and have like a preconceived idea of how you want to have this set up or just go into the moment and see their environment and try and make it as natural as possible? Yeah, there's two different types of, of photo shoot for me. One, which I would call like my personal work, which is when I go on my own with my camera, often a film camera or, you know, I to shoot digital and film, but I grew up on film so I love it I love the quality and I love the fact that you don't instantly see what you're getting so you're more engaged in the moment as we said before I'm quite easily distracted <laughs> so it's good to not have extra things to distract me so my personal one say like with the royal ballet that's something that I asked to do so I said can I come and photograph some of the dancers off stage not on stage so the moments away in their homes so when they're socializing in the dressing rooms so that I wouldn't storyboard I would have a subject and an idea and a location and then I'd leave a lot of it to sort of me observing and catching the moments and then the other kind of photo shoot which I love is more I have more of a team so I like to do a fashion shoot or something more commercial where I have to deliver a photograph so I have a brief and then I won't have a storyboard but I will have more of an idea like these are the images I need to get to tick off my list. I'll often have like a hair and makeup person, an assistant to help me with lighting um, whereas my personal work is usually available light that's there. I don't bring lights and stuff but I like both ways of doing it because then the more commercial stuff is I have a team and I can work with them and I have to direct them more and I have to direct the subject more, which is a good process for me to go through as well. So I think both of them really formulate. So I'm kind of prepared for anything is my motto. Be prepared. Yes, because you have to be, I guess, on photo shoots. You, you never know what's going to happen on, on set. And you have to deliver. It's like people want to see the pictures after and it's, you know, I'm very hard on myself. I really want to get the best I can get even though I want it to look effortless right you know you need to put a lot of you know like like all, I think all of us you doing the magazine and Charlene perform you want to make it look effortless that's the things that I love mm -hmm. you know I'm drawn to theatre or performance because when the audience watch it if you do it well 
it looks so easy but if you actually try to do what those people are doing it's so many hours of work and dedication you know and I always think about how much did your mum influence like the fact that you became a photographer or did you did you ever consider anything else or was it no this is the route that I'm going to go down at a young age I mean I was always interested in photography and I grew up because mum was a photographer we grew up like seeing great exhibitions or the books that she was influenced by photographers like Dorothea Lange or Steichen things like that so those books were at home so I would see those photographs and those early kind of foxhole but like the early process black and white photographs that kind of tactile texture and the quality of them always found very intriguing and sort of engaging so I I had that in my mind growing up and mum's style of photography was she just have a camera on her and she would just take a picture and then carry on so it was sort of from that point of view her as a photographer I think we almost dismissed it a bit as kids because it was like oh well she's just got a camera and then when I started working I didn't know what career path to take but I love photography so I became I, I got a job as a picture researcher for a music book company called Omnibus Press so I'd get a brief saying oh, we're doing a book on David Bowie so go find pictures of David Bowie and then I'd sort of research photographers and approach them and go into their archive and edit their pictures which I loved and then mum asked me to go through and edit pictures for a calendar she was doing and that's when I went into her archive and saw all of the, the contact sheets and that's when I was like I really want to do this because apart from being inspired by her I think I have a similar approach. Was your mind blown at that point when you did that when you went oh my god mom's an amazing photographer? I was like I first of all I really appreciated it second and I was like wow these are the pictures she's been taking like I've seen her taking them but I hadn't looked through them all and I flicked through all, all the books and suddenly it all came together and I was like wow this is what she was taking and it looks so kind of she got such great moments and there's so you know it's like a diary and so interesting looking back on it all I'm very much more visual than sort of writing things down I, I like to see things visually so it really excited me and it sort of all came together and then that coupled with the fact that then I saw a friend of mine's holiday pictures and they were really not very well composed pictures and not very good and I was like oh not everyone can take pictures <laughs> and I put the two of them together but then when I actually, I felt, and I remember phoning mum saying, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm, I'm, I really want to be a photographer professionally. And she gave me a, a little Leica 35mm R series camera, which the R, the M Leica cameras are the ones that everyone sort of collects and covets. But I love the R because it's just a different kind of split lens focus. And it's the one that I grew up on and learned on. So that one holds a really sort of place in my heart. But then when I actually used that and started trying to do the pictures that I, I wanted to sort of in my mind wanted to catch, it was so challenging. And mum made it look so easy. And I had a whole new respect for her as an artist when, when I actually started trying to do that myself. As well as being inspired by her, I think that I have a really similar eye to her I curated an exhibition at Gagosian Gallery of my work and her work and it was very much pairing sort of doing groupings of images some of her some of mine just showing the discussion so that was really interesting I remember coming to that that was in New York wasn't it a couple of years ago that was beautiful that was very beautiful 
Is, is there anyone that you've that you've photographed a lot of people? Is there anyone that you haven't photographed yet that you want to? There's so many people that I haven't photographed yet. So I mean, I just think there are so many interesting people. One person I would love to photograph, but I know he's. I've asked, and he just he was like, "No, I'm not really. I haven't really got time mm. for it." Is David Attenborough, because obviously he's like should be. He should be sort of managing the whole world. Obviously, we should get rid of all politicians. Let's have David Attenborough. Yeah, and there was someone else the other day I thought of. I can't remember. But if there was a, if there was a match up, you're exactly the right person to photograph David Attenborough. That would be just let alone what you stand for, and what he stands for. Oh, and also I love Dolly Parton. I'd love to go and hang out. I'd love to go and hang out and take pictures of Dolly Parton, just because then I'd sort of just be able to. Can I come? Look at her and probably get her to sing while I'm snapping. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can come. I want to come. I want to come on that one. I'll come. I'll just come and like pass things to you, whatever you need. <laughs> I watched a really interesting documentary the other day. That album, Shah, do you know that album Trio? Oh, yeah. It was Linda. Is it Linda Ronstadt? Linda Ronstadt, Dolly yeah. Parton and... It's amazing. Who's the other one? And who's the country... Who's that country folk woman like with the silver hair? Yeah, it's um, Emily Harris. Emily Harris, yes. Such a nice little album that. It was a really interesting documentary. And it was so good. It was such a lovely documentary as well because it just showed how much they all respected each other. It was really good seeing them all come together and like when they were recorded together, like genuinely how they kind of um, were inspired by each other. It was really great. Yeah, and they're amazing. They're amazing songwriters, and you know they are amazing songwriters and musicians in their own right. So it's, I mean, it is amazing to. It is a great record. It started what was interesting. It started with Emmy, Emmy Lou and Linda, Emmy Lou and Linda Ronstadt were like talking, going, "Who do you?" They were friends, and they were like, "Who do you really admire? Who really influences in you?" And they said Dolly, mm. and then they contacted Dolly Parton, and were just, "We think you're amazing." And then, "Can we all sing together?" And that was pretty interesting anyway you can tell i like dolly parton and david attenborough to be honest who doesn't like dolly parton and who doesn't like david attenborough who is missy's best friend coco's absolute crush yeah crush she's she literally i've got a 17 year old who is crazy she says thinks that david attenborough is the sexiest man on the planet so there you go that's how much influence attenborough has <laughs> um mary see also you know i was looking it was funny because you know, I, I I did a little bit of research on you. I thought this is really funny doing research on my mate. But there was, there was I, I must admit, I was so... <laughs> what was the freakiest fact? What was, just before you asked me this question, what was the most <laughs> freaky fact you found research, researching? Do you it? know what? There wasn't anything freaky. No, there wasn't anything shocking on it. But I couldn't believe, because obviously I know you've done a lot of books, but I was, oh my God, she's done so many, like she's done a lot of books, like cookery books, photographic books, even, you know, the books that you've been involved in, the, the, the family books, like your mum's Polaroid book. And they're all such beautiful interest. I mean, I've got to say, if anybody's going to buy anybody a book for, for a present right now, you do need to get the Polaroid book because it's one of the most beautiful books and and my favorite from you as well is, is much of the white horse one white horse for mm. me i just love white horse and that's i would say to people those are beautiful gifts i love the white horse the white horse came about the book came about because i don't usually do equestrian photographs or you know I'm, i do 
people. And then my dad got a horse down um, where I grew up and it arrived one day and it was this white Andalusian stallion and he's just absolutely stunning. And I started riding him and he's so gentle and a bit of a poser. So I just started, because he's so beautiful, he looks like a unicorn. I just on my iPhone start taking pictures of him and Instagram them. And then at one point I realized he was literally sort of turning his heads with his ears forward. And I was like, he is literally posing. It felt like I was doing a photo shoot with a human. So then I was like, I, this needs to be my next study. And so I did a study of him throughout the year because it took me back to my, I mean, literally there's, I saw a picture of me as a kid and I think it lit, it was before I could even walk. I was on horseback because my mum and dad used to, you know, we, we used to ride a lot in Scotland when I was growing up. He became my next study and it took me back to my childhood and sort of watching when you ride, it physically changes your perspective, but also being, you know, the, the equestrian sort of being connected to an animal, it just changes your mood and your thought process and looking being out looking at nature so it sort of became this whole sort of regression to sort of growing up and takes in the landscape and the horse and it's I really love that book like I love doing that project I love that you've never said the horse's name I love the mysterious <laughs> his name is Alejandro his name's Alejandro but my my little boy calls him Al I love he calls him Al <laughs> he used to call him Alan which we thought was really not very romantic. I think one of my favourite books of yours is Monochrome, Monochrome Colour. I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so clever the way that came about, that one big book is black and white pictures. And That was like, because Charlene, you're saying that I've done, Charlene's saying I've done a lot of books. Like the, I have, the, sort of each year I feel like now I'm doing a book. But before then, before Monochrome Colour, I'd only done one book. And I think Monochrome Colour came out in 2015. Before that, I hadn't, what I would always do is I would take pictures and I'd kind of file them away and archive them. And then I'd always be excited to be out taking photographs. So I get on to the next thing and the next thing. And then I sort of get ahead of myself, always sort of being out, wanting the adventure of mm. being out on, you know, meeting people and taking pictures, but not actually sort of sitting down and, and the work of, going through them and doing the book so that's become something much newer for me and then exhibiting them and doing limited edition portfolios so that is, is something that sort of happened in the last sort of five or six years only crazily I think can it only be that short but they're all such beautiful but they're beautifully put together as well I mean the you know just everything about the books are just that you know that you do them very very well and it's it's lovely because I suddenly was like oh I was going through the list and I was like, oh my God, I've got that, I've got that, oh, I've got that, oh yeah, I've got that. And it was, I was, I didn't realise in my, in my mind that I didn't realise what you had actually, the amount you had done. And it's, but it's, it's, it's just beautiful work. And it's also different, but it all connects as well to, you know, I think because it's you and you've got so many different interests. Yeah. I did. That, that's the thing is I'm sort of keeping I think the most recent books like The White Horse and Paris Nude and Twelfth Night are studies whereas Monochrome Colour was because I hadn't done a book in so long it was dipping through like going back into my whole archive from like contact sheet one all the way up to when the book sort of went to press and I went through each contact sheet and kind of went through finding all of those 
really for the first time sort of looking through everything again and pulling out the kind of very me moments those kind of court moments or really not posed and so that book is a is sort of a treasury of everything I'd taken through my archive and one book is monochrome and the other book is colour because they're both laid out differently and they're both printed in a different way so it was two books put together and I was kind of like should I put out a monochrome book first and then the colour book but I was just a bit impatient <laughs> and I thought it would actually be quite interesting to have both books both books together so I love that book because it sort of took me back on that journey all the way back through my archive which I love looking at court moments and 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 I'm always collecting pictures and to go back and reflect and look at them I mean with this whole coronavirus situation that's sort of now I'm looking back through my archive with a, a different eye altogether with some moment moment of affection where it's sort of like those moments where we're mm. groups of people or people hugging or holding hands or just really kind of just people leaning on each other's shoulders really sort of simple seemingly at the time simple photographs I've taken I'm just looking back at them with a whole different perspective which mm. is kind of why I think I'm always sort of collecting it's sort of if you look back and you're in a different mood and you see things in a different way so is that going to be Mary the um the you, you're doing this new exhibition called found is this what you're looking at at the moment mm -hmm. with these eyes yeah yeah because that was Chateau Lacoste be the next exhibition I do and that will that was it's found which is again sort of looking through my archive for moments with sort of emotionally charged moments I really want the viewer to walk in it's one room and I want the viewer to walk in and like feel something for each photograph so I, some photographs I might really like but I'm not going to put it in just because it's 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 pretty or it's a nice color. Like actually, I want the viewer to sort of actually feel some emotion in their within their body, or it's sort of to evoke something in the viewer. I've, I'm really thinking about the viewer walking in, and it's important to me that they kind of really care about each image for some reason. Uh, but then, as originally that was is called found, but now the pictures that I seem to be pulling for that is a you know something connected to a moment of affection so it is sort of people together or you know but it's quite simple moments seemingly simple moments because those really simple moments that before we just used to took for granted as seeming you know they're so we're craving them so much now it's sort of crazy how one day your view on everything can just sort of change and you can't really necessarily plan for the future but you can kind of look back and, and feel hopeful for the future I think definitely definitely I think as well I was going to say that when you look at probably at those pictures it's and you start to think about what's happening right now in the world how much how much you're put in situations where you're standing next to somebody or touching somebody and it's just second nature but now when you think well I can't do that and it's just the simplest things like standing next to somebody on the street or in a store and, and that's all just ground to a halt now. It's but are you finding it when you're watching TV it's really funny because you're like well that must have been filmed before because like people come in they kiss each other <laughs> hello or they're just next to each other. I think it's turning our mind to different things and sort of thinking in a different way and I've really been getting into a lot more you know before I was cooking but I didn't have as much time so I suppose one benefit of being at home more is having that time to cook and that challenge of like what can you cook a bit more from your store cupboard and 
So I've started sort of trying on my iPhone, film, trying to film myself cooking and posting. I actually edited my first piece for myself last week Yay. as well, which is quite funny. So I think we're learning to keep ourselves inspired or busy in different ways, right? <laughs> I'm doing things like, I, I have to be honest, I'm really enjoying cooking. And it's quite funny because, as you know, Bryn's normally always working. So Bryn's my husband, as everyone so people know but he's a chef and as Mary said and he's normally always working and the only time I ever really get to eat his food is if I go to his restaurants but it's quite funny him cooking at home there was a couple of days where I was like uh, just to let you know I I'm not here to actually clean up after you <laughs> this is this is not a professional kitchen just so that you know that I'm not here like I'm not your pot washer <laughs> Don't professional chefs like wipe everything down? Because one of the that is my one, well, not is one one thing that my family comment on is I do literally make such a mess. Even though even if I make something really simple, I seem to be able to like no. use so many different things to do it. I don't know how. Yeah, he is very tidy and clean. I must admit, he does wipe everything down. His area is clean, but there's a he will use. Yeah, he will have a sink full of just like just pile it and pile it and pile it and and I'm literally like uh have you ever cleaned that pot that pot's murder to clean that weighs a ton you know just that kind of stuff but it's been really really good to to just have you know we've got the garden and all the fruit and veg and just going out picking stuff and just having unbelievably fresh and yeah I mean I think yeah. there's certain things that we're doing different that maybe just being a bit more caring and thinking a lot more about what we're cooking and, and what we've got and you know because we're not going to the shops all the time really I think a lot of that and and really making things work and trying new things as well so doing that and digging holes in my garden yeah I love digging a hole I just dig a hole all day I love digging holes <laughs> hilarious well it's interesting because I've been um thinking about it creatively artistically because I'm I'm a real a lot of the photographs I do and the cooking I do it's for people I want to cook I want to sort of you know show people simple vegetarian recipes that will kind of make you want to eat that way and with photography it's about going into other people's world and like them allowing me into their personal space like if it's Mark Rylance backstage you know behind the scenes of a performance at the theater I'm honored when I'm invited into those situations because you know you you can't put people off it's like to be able to observe and watch those things are really interesting and to sort of figure a way to document it so it's been interesting because I don't have that to photograph now I can't just go and see people and go I'm coming over to take pictures of you I'm working with Wayne McGregor on Dante's project at the Royal Opera House and that's sort of all been put on hold so I'm sort of thinking of what to photograph. So I sort of, am I going to do self-portraits? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> it's quite funny. So cooking, cooking is the thing. That, at the moment, cooking is the thing. And then sort of going back through my archive and looking at things. But I feel like I'm probably going to, as this carries on, I'm going to sort of start thinking of an actual photography project. Maybe seeing something, nature, I think, is the other thing, isn't it? We're taking more time to watch the nature at the moment. And also like the moon, the moon at the moment is major full moon going on. The moon's insane. The moon is insane. It was amazing yesterday. 
I was actually talking to my dad about it last night. We were like, it's so bright. Literally, we both said at the same time, it was like, it's so bright. We're thinking you could actually go for a horse ride. It's so light, you would be able to see. And he said the same thing. And then he told me, which I never knew, he said that he and mum, when they were in the Scotland in the 70s, they actually did go for a moonlight ride in Scotland once. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. It's so romantic as well. I didn't know that. So that's another thing. It's sort of slowing down a bit, I suppose. I, I'm an optimist. I like to try and see some positives within all that's going on. Definitely given us, it's given us all a kick up the backside to slow right down and look at life in a different way. But also enjoy your loved ones who you're with. Just take time to be with them. It's nice and it's just darting around the whole time. Yeah, and then it, but I'm really aware of people that aren't with, that don't are sort of isolated on their own. So I'm sort of, and food banks and things like that. I'm sort of trying to be aware of that kind of stuff because it's sort of when I, I'm feel, it, you know, that gratitude, but then also you kind of think, oh, not every, you know, there's so many people that aren't in that situation. So. Yeah, so sort of trying to call and stay in touch with friends that I know are on their own or donate to the food banks and things like that, I think. Well, I think we have to, I think we're out of time, Mary. I know that. Homeschooling. Homeschooling. Um, it's homeschooling. It's homeschooling and it's lunchtime, so I'm going to go and cook lunch. <laughs> One question before you go, Mary. Do you, do you dress up like a teacher to do homeschooling? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course I do. I mean, I've got my glasses on. Literally, you you know my Charlene, you know my boys um well. They actually had a sleepover at Charlotte and Brins a while ago, and they had the best time. I love your boys. They did tell me that in the morning. They said that to me. They went, "This bed is so comfy." I was literally really. They had the best time. And they said your bed is the comfiest bed ever in the whole world. I, mean, I think it's the first time my 11-year-old has actually ever asked to go back to bed, <laughs> which was hilarious. So, yeah, so homeschooling, I'm like, literally, I'm like, guys, I know you're at home, but you need to go back in your inner class, go back, close the door. So I'm sort of, boundaries, boundaries are things that I'm sort of trying to learn about at this point. All right, my darlings, it's been so lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, well done. Congratulations on the magazine. I think it's such an accomplishment, everything you've pulled together with it. Thank you. Gosh, thank you so much. Yay! Thank you for continuing to listen to My Mission Is podcast. Up next is someone I've wanted to get on for a while and kept forgetting to ask, to be honest. Too many spinning plates. I wanted her on for the reason that she has a secret career, I think. She really works behind the scenes on something that I think people might be surprised to hear that one can make a successful career out of it. It sounds so magical, her job, but I know it's really, really a lot of hard work. Our next guest is Faye McLeod, who is the creative director for Louis Vuitton. When you walk past any Louis Vuitton store, whether in Paris, New York, London or further, Faye and her team have dreamt up, executed and made those windows into works of art and come to life. We learn of the process, the long hours and the challenges she and her team go through. So I hope you continue to listen. Be well and keep safe.